Hey, Chris. Yo. You mad, bro? No, I'm good. Well, that, that kind of ruined the- Ah, darn. He wants to start no, over. I just, just popped the top. <laughs> Cue the music. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the holy one. What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm Micah. I'm Sonny. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. Trying to say it less creepy, aren't you? Yeah. Like you're changing the inflections a little bit. Yeah. Was it was it better? It's, it's a, what's yeah. your what's your rating, Sonny? 5.2. Comparative to yeah. Ronnie. <laughs> Today, yeah. We did like 4.7 the last or the yeah. last time we rated it. So. Yeah, he's tracking upward. He's doing good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Doing better. You want to set the level? Sure. Why did Samson not like to argue with Delilah? I got nothing. He didn't want to split hairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. It's not bad. Right on. <laughs> well, this week we're going to finish up in part three of our Being Renewed series in Ephesians chapter four. But before we drop the needle on that, I'm going to open the table up. What's on your mind, guys? Well, I guess we're going to try and wrap it up this one. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> the plan was to have it wrapped up. Last weekend. Well, yeah. Or last week. I think we'll get through it. Sorry about that. You're good. Stepped on your toe. (laughs) Close quarters. Yeah, it's all right. I just take up a lot of real estate. That's all that is. Start with you, Chris. Uh, I, you know, I always say it and and then it ends up not being that way, but I don't have a whole lot going on this week. There's a couple of things that have been put on my heart, but not ready to talk about them, but. I mean, it was a good week, good weekend. You know, saw lots of family, lots of time with, uh, you know, counting your blessings as it were through the holidays. So that was nice. But um, I don't, honestly, this week, I honestly do not have a whole lot. What are you, Sonny? <clears throat> uh, you know, through the holidays and everything, um, my holidays weren't the same as they usually are, you know. Um, I didn't get to spend it with family. Um, I got to spend it with some, some friends and everything. And, um, you know, uh, I had to go through some battles of being around some substances that I didn't really care to be around, but, um, you know, that's, I guess that's a part of, you know, life, I guess. Right. you know, um, don't everybody choose the path that I chose. So, um, you know, and I had to come to that realization and, and, you know, and just kind of deal with it, you know, and, and thank God that I'm not there no more, you know, um, but, you know, this week has been just a, a riddle, riddle battle. Like it's been one after the other, after the other kind of for me, um, you know, and, and we just got to take it in stride and, and try to stay strong and thank God whenever we do have these because it's a learning process. 
you know, we, we learn in these times and we get stronger and, you know, rely on him more, you know, rely on his word more. You know, there was a couple instances I caught myself actually even, you know, reciting scripture in my brain. You know, it might have not been word for word because I don't really remember word for word, but I remember bits and pieces. So, um, you know, and I, uh, I was thankful for the time that I got to spend with uh, the people I have this weekend, you know, hanging out with you yesterday and stuff. And, and we, uh, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed everything. It was, like I said, it was a battle, but. I've walked through it. I'm still the same as I was last week, except for just, you know, God's been working on me and trying to try and take it in stride. Yeah. So. I had a great week as well. Um, It's the first time in seven years that our son's been able to be with us for Thanksgiving. And so that was nice. And then of course the two grandbabies that got to spend time with them. And so that was, that was great. But I'm similar to you. A lot of internal battles, a lot of things rolling around in, in the head there and um, not sure what to make of them quite yet, but mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of internal internal battles and a lot of internal struggles that, that's going on. And um, so you work through it and you pray, you know, pray and ask God to give you wisdom and direction. And when you ask that, you got to be prepared for the answer because sometimes the answer doesn't come right away. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. But um, it's been it's been good, and so I got to spend some one on one time with my with my sons, and um, so it's been it's been good. I think that's where the enemy's more most effective, at least for me, is the internal battles. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not the external attacks that really bother me, to be honest with you. It's when he hits internally. Yep. You know when he when he hits you with those those the second guessing, the anxiety, the doubts. Yeah. And I tend to be a pretty passionate person and he uses that against you. The devil, mm-hmm. the devil will use that against you. You know, the passionate, okay, well, you're not being successful. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And my wife just started reading a book and, and I'm probably going to read it cause it sounds really good, but it's, it's a book on prayer and it's called fervent. And, um, she just started reading it and she was reading some of the chapter, some of the chapter, chapter one this morning, they're going through it in their ladies Bible study at church and it's been, it's been really good. It was right. Exactly what I needed just about the, how the devil tries to keep you busy mm-hmm. doing stuff, but you're busy doing the wrong things. You're not doing things for God. You're just busy doing things. And although those things aren't necessarily bad, they're not exactly what God wants you to do either. And so, so it's just been that little snippet she read to me this morning was, was right on target. So I needed it. Yeah. I won't get into, into, deep details, but with what we were talking about before we, we hit record, you know, praying, praying in front of that witch's shop and getting yeah, um, all of us in different ways, all four of us in one way or the other, not, not you, Chris, but somebody else that was there yeah. getting attacked in one way or the other to chase us to what chase us away. Um, I think I've been guilty of just giving token prayers. If I'm being honest, I'm, if I'm really uh, evaluating in a way that I can learn from the experience, I think I'm I'm too guilty of giving just token prayer, not not true, passionate, heartfelt, meaningful time spent with him prayer. Yeah. And maybe that was my mistake going into it. Maybe that was the warning from the most high out of it. But 
I learned from my grandfather a long time ago. He was a great mentor, a man of God, and um, he's in heaven now. But um, I learned how to pray from him at a young age. And I, we used to think he's crazy because he'd walk around, you know, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you know. And he, we'd go to the store and he'd say, before we even left the house, he'd say, and Lord, I thank you for that parking spot that you're going to give us right in front. And, and nine times out of 10, there'd be a parking spot. Somebody would be just pulling out as we pulled in. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's the kind of prayer life that, that I want, that kind of dynamic. It wasn't ritualistic, you know, like we talk yeah. about where it has to be in this format where I think that's the problem sometimes is we think it has to be so ritualistic. Dear Heavenly Father, thank, you know, it has to be so for, formal. And um, I remember pulling weeds and he, you know, I'd try to get the weed out. You know, he'd teach me how to pull the weed from the root and he'd say, well, you tell in Jesus' name, weed, you come out. <laughs> it's a weed. Come on, give me, give me a break. But he'd, he'd, he'd do that. And I remember the first time in high school, I prayed for a pair of tennis shoes. And um, I know that sounds sim silly, but but God, God, God wants to hear from our hearts. And that pair of tennis shoes lasted longer than any pair of tennis shoes I've ever. And I was like, why well, have not prayed for more? Tennis shoes. I haven't prayed for tennis shoes since high school, and now <laughs> they, they were out in what, a couple of years. They're, they're done. You don't need yeah. a new pair of shoes. But, um, but, but yeah, prayer actually is effective and, and works and, and is a very powerful thing. I think we do take it for granted sometimes. We take it as a token or token prayers or we almost casually. treat it like a we treat it like a last resort sometimes. We do, yeah. And I think it's because we don't see the direct. You know, we don't see. We, you know, we don't see God obviously. So when we're praying to him, we feel like our prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling and, and we, and we know they do. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that about how he prayed for the parking spot. Cause that was something that, that Bob had sent me. He sent me a, a devotion that I mentioned earlier to you guys this morning. And that's what it kind of talked about was how, you know, when, when Jesus prayed to the father, he thanked him. Yeah. He, like he thanked him for answering the prayer before it was even manifested that it had been answered. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big one for me is doubt. That's what the enemy hits me with doubt. Mm-hmm. Like after, after those attacks yesterday, that's, that's what he was really hitting me hard with was doubt. And if I'm, if I'm evaluating my prayer life, I think I approach the most high with doubt. I, you know, I doubt him. I doubt myself and doubting my place with him, which is sort of like doubting him. Mm-hmm. You know, if he, if he, if he promises to save you and to be your living hope and you doubt that he can do that for you, you're, you're calling him a liar. Yeah. And see, that was a big part of who I am today. Like my, my road for, you know, a hundred and some odd days now has been, God loves you. I keep telling myself that God loves you. Who are you? You are God's child. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's made a world of difference. It's given me so much self-confidence and it's not a unhealthy, you know, I'm not cocky anymore because I was cocky pretty bad there for a long time. And, and now it's, um, through, through saying that to myself, you know, it's kind of, it's different for me. Um, that don't doubt as much, you know, I, and that's the thing is I try to say it every day. You know, I try to remind myself every single day, God loves me. God loves me. Who are you? You're God's child. You know, you're a part of this vast 
craziness, but loving, caring, you know, thinking of all the good things that God has for you. And, um, it's, it's changed my perspective on a lot of things and it's helped me a lot by my, myself, my negative talk, my negative thinking. Um, and that's, that's been a huge, huge thing for me in, in this last couple of months. And I believe doubt is one of Satan's biggest tools. I mean, he did that from the very beginning in the garden. You know, did God really say? Mm-hmm. Cause them to doubt the word of God. And he's been doing that ever since. Because if he, can get, if he can get us to doubt God's word or question whether God is real or whether he's really listening to me or whether he's really going to answer my prayer, does he really care about me? All those are thoughts of, of the evil one. And, and he places those in those thoughts and they run over and over and over in our mind. And then pretty soon we begin to think that's what's real. Yeah. And, and and we need that reminder, like you talked about, that reminder that God loves us. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday in, um, in our Bible study. It's like, then I, and I did that, just remind him, God loves you. We need to know that the King of Kings sent his son to die on a cross for us. That's gratitude enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a love he takes back. Yes, yeah. that's a love in the purest form. Yes, you know, absolutely. That's unconditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're on a battlefield, you know, and and walking through the battle isn't evidence that the Most High doesn't love us through it. Just because he doesn't always shield us from the effects of the battle that we're facing. Yeah, I think that's what we experienced yesterday was a battle. Mm, you absolutely. know, and the first thing the enemy wants to do is cause you to doubt yourself in it. Mm-hmm. In John 17, which is really the Lord's prayer. I know often we've title, you know, our, our father with our, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We title that the Lord's prayer. It's really a pattern of prayer for the disciples. And when they ask, teach us to pray, this is the pattern. And in John 17, we really have the Lord's Lord's prayer. And he prays that Jesus is talking to his father, obviously. And he prays that, we don't get taken out of the trial, out of the turmoil, but that we have strength to go through it. Yes. And, and I think that's where we are in, in our world today is he's not going to always take us out because the devil knows his end is near, mm-hmm. but he wants strength for us to go through it. I think that's a big reason why everything's been so crazy here lately. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's becoming whatever amount of time it is left that it's get doing everything that he can to drop us. There's an urgency on both sides of the battle line. I think Yes, I can feel it. Everybody I've talked to can feel it. There's an urgency, even if you can't put their, if you can't put your finger on what it is, you can just feel it. There's something urgent in the air. Yeah. You talked about him not taking you out of the trial. I turn to Mark chapter 10 today, and I'm going to read a small, small blurb from that. It's starting in verse 35, and it says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Which is evidence to me that if it was in the Father's will, they would have had it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we need to approach prayer. If it's in his will, mm-hmm. we'll give it. If, if it's in his will, yeah. just because it's not in his will, though, doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Right. They said to him, grant that we may sit 
one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we are able. So without even knowing what he meant. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Let's stop there. He's talking about suffering, drinking the cup, being baptized with the baptism. He's talking about the suffering he's going to have to go through. And he does affirm, you will have to drink the cup. Yeah. You'll have to drink a cup of suffering. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love James and John. Them, them, having, them having the cup to drink doesn't mean that he doesn't love them. And him saying no to their request doesn't mean that he doesn't love them. It just meant that their request wasn't in the Father's will. But drinking the cup was. Sometimes we have to drink the cup. Yeah. More often than not, we have to drink the cup. Yep. You're very quiet, Chris. I'm taking it in, learning. I feel like I've been pressed to not be silent, but to to listen more. So trying to heed that warning. <laughs> I actually think that's a good place to pause. And so for those of you listening, we're going to take a short break uh, before we dig into our main topic for the week in Ephesians chapter four. But while we do that, we're going to play our featured song, which is Always by ASAP Preach. Be sure and stick around. And we'll talk at you in a few. There's just no other place I'd rather be than right here in your presence. Thank you for never forgetting about me. You're always, you're always by my side. I feel your presence on me. I'm singing holy, holy. Man, I can't believe that you died for me. And you wipe my cheek when I cry and weep. And you always make me strong when I am Was on a long road learning by my inner me Till I hit a crossroad to find my identity See my identity wasn't a risen king Never wasn't hitting clubs, never wasn't sipping lean See I struggled just to find myself Looking in the wrong places at night I would cry myself to sleep Hoping I would not wake up, this life is tough Should I just give up or should I find some help for me? But I kept waking up empty inside I felt alone like I was living to die Didn't realize inside I was dying to live I couldn't bear the weight of all of my sin So I had to repent You're always, you're always by my side I feel your presence on me I'm singing holy Spirit's here 
It's a different type of honor when it comes to this mantle. Everything that I do, I try to lead by example. Look, it's a different type of feeling when you know you're forgiven. So don't participate in behavior that you know been forbidden. Hey, it's a different type of heavy when it comes to this cross. Pick it up on a daily battle, walk what you talk. Man, it's a different type of message when it comes to the music. Hey, the Holy Spirit in it, so the noise is included. Man, it's a different type of pain when it comes to these tears. I'm happy, man, for real, just to know that I'm here. Look, it's a different type of promise when you know it's eternal. It's so personal, so merciful. It's you that I worship. I thank you, Jesus. You're always, you're always by my side. I feel your presence on me. I'm singing holy, holy. And I can't believe that you died for me. And you wipe my cheek when I cry and weep. And you always make me strong when I am weak. All my problems gone when your spirit's here with me. Throughout my life, you never had left a side of me. Even when I was out of it, wasted, Lord, you were driving me. Even with a gun on my side, you were surrounding me. I would be in a cell up in jail if you didn't fight for me. I used to run to a high when things would fall apart. But now I run to your side and pray with all my heart. When I feel depressed, I hear a word at my church. Then you show me someone out there really does have it worse. So when I'm going through a trial, you can still use me. Someone might be feeling down and feel they about to lose it. You put a light in me, so tell me what I need to say. Even when I'm feeling weak, give me strength to pray. You're always, you're always by my side. I feel your presence on me. I'm singing holy, holy. Man, I can't believe that you died for me. And you wipe my cheek when I cry and weep. And you always make me strong when I am weak. All my problems gone when the spirit's here with me. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much for always being by my side. You're so good. Use me, Lord. back again that was always by asap preach like we said we're going to be finishing up in part three of our being renewed discussion so we'll close out ephesians chapter four i hope i think (laughs) i think we'll make it through i think so while we're doing this i want you to be thinking about the answer to a question what is the difference between positional sanctification and functional sanctification. Okay. Do you remember where we left off? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you need me to tell you? Or yes. Do you, oh, okay. It was uh, verse 24, so we're starting up with 25. Okay. I'm going to read verse 24 for context, moving okay. into 25, and I want you guys to stop me whenever there's something you want to you wanna dig into. So I know there were specific passages that you guys kind of narrowed in on when you were studying it well i know chris was wanting to probably go through like 26 was it 26 were you oh yeah yeah i mean there's stop at the end of 25 okay 
As I was say, reverse <laughs> stop. Reverse. That's pretty much how it's going to be. <laughs> All right, Ephesians 4, verse 24. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That one speaks to me because... Um, certain situations in my life um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, not on my own part, just people that were, have been in my life. Um, and see, mine says it in a, in a different way. It says, um, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Um, you know, Whenever you're around somebody and they're on some, on some bull crap, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry. I, I'm trying to keep away from that kind of talk, but, <clears throat> um, you know, they're, they're not being honest with yourself or with their self or with you. They're on some silliness. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> they're on some not so good standing grounds, yeah. you mm-hmm. know? And, um, Man, it just, it, it real. you're supposed to love somebody where they're at, right? You're supposed to, you're supposed to, I guess, give them the benefit of the doubt because that's, that's what God teaches us. Right. And that's hard to do, especially whenever it's somebody that you've, that you've learned to care for, that you've put so much into that you think that they're going to be a part of part of your life. And, uh, you know, it, it comes down to, I don't, I don't know what to do other than separate myself from the situation and just focus on God because otherwise I'm just going to be distracted, you know, and, uh, lying. I, I don't, if I ever am in a situation and I tend to catch myself trying to overstretch the truth, you know what I mean? Like you get a bunch of guys together and you start telling stories and you know, there's situations where you're just like kind of stretching the truth just a little bit. I even try, I try to catch myself in that. Mm -hmm. I know I still do it sometimes, you know, and it, that's not a, I mean, it's just one of those things I still have to work on. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it's an ongoing process, but, um, serious things. I, I, I mean, I'm things about being honest, not, not carrying yourself to a point where you can be manipulated because I I look at lying as a manipulation. It's a manipulation of your character because they want you to think a certain way about them or they want you to act a certain way towards them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> and I don't I don't take that lightly. Like I really I hate that. And I don't use hate as a very often or that's a strong word for me um and uh those are the type of people that i do not want in my life 
And I try everything that I can to not have those people in my life. And that's why I've been so careful about who I have because just those little things like that. And some people may think it, that it's little, but those things add up and then you become living a lie. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know, you don't even know who you are really, you know? Mm-hmm. And that that's the, it's so important for me. I mean, that is one of the, one of my baselines that I have to go by and I can't, I can't step away from that because lying and manipulating are huge, huge things for me because I, I was a liar. I was a manipulator. I used to lie and manipulate everybody that was around me. And, you know, that was one thing God delivered me from many, 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 many years ago. And, you know, it's been a process trying to keep myself from being that person, but now it's, it's easier. And now I focus on not having that around me, not trying to catch myself in those times. Right. So, but that, that first verse was one that like, really like I, oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, but I mean, I think there's something to be said about loving somebody where they're at, but also part of that loving that person is not lying to them. And if they're living or, you know, wallowing in sin or living in sin, calling them out on that sin is not, I don't think is not, is a bad thing at all. No. Lying to them and saying, well, what you're doing is okay to, to spare their feelings is not loving them. Right. You know, and, and they might not see it as that way. And, you know, sometimes you get to a point where, like you said, you just have to remove, for lack of a better word, toxic people from your lives because there's no, you've, you know, and this, I think, kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, forgiveness. I, I feel like you can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you're always going to be reconciled with everybody that you forgive. Like, case in point, you know, there's there's people in my life that, I've forgiven for the transgressions and, but we're not reconciled and they, at any point in time, they're, they're more than welcome back in my life, but it's going to take a lot of reconciliation on top of that forgiveness before we're back to the point where, you know, they can stay. And see, you say forgiveness and that's big for me because I didn't, I held on to a lot of stuff that I didn't forgive people for, you know, and uh, I worked through that in a couple of different ways. And I believe that forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Absolutely. For you to be able to not like, you know, say somebody does you wrong or whatever. Forgiving them is to be able to give yourself the clarity to not focus on that that burden anymore. So it's so you don't carry that hate around with you and fester in you. And I think that's, that's why God puts it so many times in the Bible about forgiveness is, but it, I mean, maybe it is explained that way and I just never seen it, but it's, it's not for the other person. It's for yourself. And that's huge. I mean, once you understand that, and you go through those processes of being able to forgive somebody, not for them. It's not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. It's for yourself. It's for your own 
sake of sanity and your own mind and heart, soul, you know, I mean, those, those burdens, those, those weights that you carry, you know, the, the forgiving is, is for you. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness heals you, right? It, it, it opens the door for healing for you while at the same time opening, opening the door for reconciliation to the other person if they correct the behavior. Cause reconciliation requires a correction of the behavior that hurts you to begin with. Mm -hmm. If they're, if they're not correcting that behavior, you don't have to let them back in your life. Lo loving someone is different than having a relationship with someone. Yeah, you know, to the mm -hmm. to, to what to, to what you were talking about, Sonny. Your 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 environment matters. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. You know, allowing toxic people into your life. You know, by rule of osmosis, eventually it's going to corrupt you too. Mm -hmm. I'm good. We can go on to 26. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got I got mine out. <laughs> All right, verse 26. Be angry. And yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Stop there. I would say you can go ahead and read 27 to finish the sentence if you want. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Right. So again, because that kind of goes in, like goes in with, you know, I said it last week and, you know, it's this, this verse always hits me because I have struggled and, and continue to struggle with anger. A lot of people are, I, I, I don't know. I like to think that it's not like prevailing on the surface that you're like, Oh, you're, I'm not saying I'm an angry person. I'm just saying that I tend to go to anger. That's, that's the well that I go to. And, uh, it's not a very good one. Um, I continue to struggle with it and, uh, it just, it's just something you, that, that I'm working through. Um, you know, I, I, I've shared before, I spent a, a lot of time of my life outside, you know, a Christian walk and that's, that's where that leads you. And, uh, it's once anger gets a hold of you, it's hard to see anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very hard. So, um, it just and 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 as it says here that having carrying that anger with you or being quick to anger gives the devil the opportunity or the foothold in your life that he needs, and I'm talking like it. It's little stuff that would just absolutely. I mean, it would like ruin my whole day. Like I could be having a good day, and something little would happen. I get cut off in traffic or somebody stands i mean this was this is how bad i got somebody would stand too close to me i like it like at a convenience store that was my phone okay <laughs> i was like i was like huh? uh oh do i need to stop talking for a minute okay. no you're good no but i mean it was it just got to the point where it, and you know that that would take place of being able to see anything else good in my life. And, uh, I mean, there was a couple of times where I would be reflecting on a day or, or a week or whatever. And I would think to myself, well, why didn't I take the opportunity to do this or do that? And if I really thought about it, it's just like, because you were still angry about what happened earlier that day, that didn't mean nothing, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, uh, you know, here, here we see this big long list of, of, of ways that 
we as Christians are supposed to live. And I think that's, I think we all have our struggles and this one just happened to, to pop out at me. I don't have some, you know, magic, you know, some summarization of, you know, or some grand, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, some grand hypothesis or, you know, antithesis to the whole situation. It's just, it is what it is. But I will say that until you find some way to, to not go to that anger well, it'll, it'll really run your life. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things I noticed in those two verses. One is anger itself isn't a sin. You notice how it's, it, it makes a separation. There? I was mm-hmm. going to say, I, I'm glad you said that too, because yeah. it, it, it was no coincidence that not maybe two weeks ago, I heard somebody say the exact same thing that it's not what, it's not what that we get mad is the sin. It's that what we do yes. with that anger is the sin. And I think that's kind of what spoke to me was, you know, I would get angry and then I would be angry right. I would, at everything. I wouldn't, t- I wouldn't give that anger up or, you know, instead of turning directly to him and say, yeah, forgive them, Lord, you know, and then go about my day is as I would hold on to that. And then that's what gave that devil that foothold. Yeah. Well, you also, I mean, Jesus turned over tables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're turning over table, you're mad. All right. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I'm just saying that even our savior dealt with anger, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's saying a lot. So, yeah, anger can be a reasonable emotional response to a situation, but like you said, Chris, it's what we do with it. Mm-hmm. It can it can be what we get angry about that can be problematic, yeah. and what we do with the anger, right, can I, absolutely be problematic. I almost want to say too that I think I feel like there's a difference between mad and anger as well. Like you can be mad at something, but like I don't. It's hard. It's hard to to put it into words. What what it what the feeling is, but like anger to me is not just being mad about something. Anger is like an emotion in which you live your life. Like you can have happiness, happy life and your life does live in happiness and forgiveness. But like, I'm talking like just pure anger, bitter all the time. And I think, and I, and, and what happens is I think as you let that manifest, you're mad becomes anger and then you actually turn the and and I did this too I turned that anger towards God hmm. why do you let this stuff happen why is this happening to me why are you not interjecting here why are you anger and you just throw that anger back at him constantly and you never ever see him reaching out yeah, that's that's exactly where I strayed. Anger at situations being directed at anger toward God for allowing the situation, yeah. and that leads to that leads to a lot of other sin. It's a it's a gateway to a lot of other sin, and it's it's not a good place to be. I <laughs> I still ask him for forgiveness for it to this day. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing I noticed there too is the word opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. That's actually Greek, uh, the, the Greek word topos, and it means a region, a place, or a seat. So essentially what he's saying there is don't give the devil a seat at your table. Yeah, mine says, nor give place to the devil. Yeah. I give the devil a foothold. Yeah, I think place or fo- foothold is a better is a better rendering of that. It's, it's not giving him any, any, any occupancy in your heart. Trying to have one foot in your, in your salvation walk and one foot in your sin. That's what he's saying here. It gives, it gives the devil a chance to, to draw you back to where you were. Have you ever heard the adage, one rotten apple spoils the whole batch? Mm-hmm. It's actually true. It's actually true. When, when fruit ripen, they emit ethylene gas. And the, the more ripened they get or when they get rotten, it emits more ethylene gas. So when you have a rotten apple inside of a basket of, of fresh apples, it actually causes a chain reaction mm-hmm. so that the other apples start to emit more ethylene gas as well. Mm-hmm. So they ripen too fast and they go rotten. The devil's the ultimate rotten apple, right? The sin that he brings into our life is a rotten apple. And I think what Paul's saying here is if we allow that into our basket, into the basket of our heart, it's going to create a chain reaction that's going to draw us back to that rottenness that, that he rescued us from to begin with. We've got to guard against that. When we find rottenness in our basket, we need to throw it out. We need to find it and throw it out. The Spirit will reveal those things to us. When he does, we need to work with him to remove that rottenness from us so that the devil doesn't have a foothold in our life. Verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Can can we stop there? Yeah. I I think it's, I don't know, it just, it kind of jumps out at me like that, That's basically saying, like, if you're stealing, don't steal. Rather, go to work. And not so you can provide for yourself in the sense of you don't have to steal anymore. It's that you may have something to share with those in need. So work to be charitable. Like, and, and that's, you know, I just, I think that's poetic because we sometimes get too caught up with, you know, working to sustain our life and then to, to give like what, where would charity be if everybody had the same notion of I'm going to work today so that I can give more, mm-hmm. you know, not, not so much. And I'm not saying like abandon all your responsibilities and just be f- f- fragrant, for frugalant, fragalant, frugalant, frugal, <laughs> frugal. Well, frugal is the opposite. Um, it's it. Like, like, don't throw away your money, you know. But to with the notion of I'm going to work extra hard so that I can give more. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's okay. That's pretty strong. Well, this. All right. So, like, I'm a felon. It's kind of you know. It's what I got in trouble for. Stealing property right. damage, stuff like that. And uh, the biggest thing is, 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 you know, I went from that person at, at a time in my life back. I mean, we're talking almost 20 years ago, you know, and uh, I paid, I paid my dues 
a little excessive over what I was supposed to. Like I turned, I turned what was supposed to be four years into 12. So I tripled it and I, I never got in trouble. I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I just didn't do what I was supposed to do, you know? And, um, for 12 years I suffered. Like I suffered immensely over all this. And, uh, you know, now that I'm, now that I'm better, you know, now that I'm on a path, I, I have, you know, everything in order, you know, I have, you know, housing, I have everything that I need, you know, and truthfully, like I've even accomplished things that I want. And I think this speaks to me right now because like I, I work a lot and usually I'm, my extra money goes for dumb stuff like toys and, you know, doing things around the house. And I mean, dumb stuff. Like, mm -hmm. And like, I don't use it to help people. You know, I don't use it to, you know, benefit, you know, the, the ministry or a church or, you know, I don't go see if, you know, some, um, Maybe somebody needs help or, you know, that kind of speaks to me because it kind of smacks me in the face. And it's just like, hey, you're doing too much for yourself. Mm -hmm. Start doing for others. So. And I mean, and, and, I don't, and I don't point that out to to, oh. to call anybody out either. I, I want that to be clear. Like, well, you had no idea. Yeah, right. You know right. what I mean? So that just right. that kind of that kind of hits me in a personal aspect. And I'm just kind of voicing it because it's just like it. I mean. I need to start doing more for others and quit worrying about all the things that I want, all the things that I desire, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, I've, God's blessed me, you know, in so many ways. And it's just, um, I need to quit being so selfish. Right. I think, you know, and, you know, kind of like, more to the more to my point is and, and i'm glad you said that is you know god's blessed you is you know we talk about how do we carry god throughout our um throughout our day and uh a lot of people I, f I find like a lot of people struggle with well i have a menial job how do i you know praise god and going to you know put data into a spreadsheet all day and it's like if you took on this attitude in the morning of Praise God that I have a job to go to that not only provides for my family, but gives me opportunity. I'm not saying you have to, but it gives you opportunity to give more. Yeah. I feel like like that's the that's the mentality here that that's trying to be per perceived here is, you know, I have the opportunity to give. Yeah. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Yep. When you see it continued in the next verse, we'll read in a second too, but you know, your behavior is a sermon. Mm -hmm. You know, we get so hung up on, on thinking we have to talk somebody into the kingdom, you know what I mean? Or talk somebody into yeah. believing in Jesus. But a lot of it is just it's the them you, seeing your way of life. The way you carry yourself. Yes. Speaks more than some words sometimes. Absolutely. People and, can see the transformation. Yeah. And I, I really have to watch that because... 
I tend to cuss. <laughs> Let me read the next verse and we'll talk about that. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Join the club, brother. <laughs> There's yep. been times I'm I, almost like, I'm always like, <laughs> I, I, I've been, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still faulty at that horribly. And like, it's, <sighs> I'm surprised it hasn't slipped and you've had to edit it out. <laughs> but I've, I've always on my way here, I've always prayed. God, just take, take care of this aspect of who I am. And, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why when we first started doing this, like I was trying to like script out almost everything that I would say uh-huh. simply for the pure fact that I'm like, man, if I get emotional on this and I go off on my rant uh-huh. or if I get too into something, I'm going to let, you know, a word fly that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be said on air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, I struggle with it too, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> go first, ahead. First 20. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. I do think it's important to highlight that this is more than just cussing. Yeah. Uh, can I read mine? It yeah, says, absolutely. let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impact or impart grace to the hearers. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll oh, go say, ahead. Yet another, yet another translation. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Talk is probably better, yeah. a better application of what he's, what he means here. Cause word, word to us implies one word, right? Talk is just yeah. your, your ongoing conversation. Yeah. Right. And see that, you know, I mean, like, you know, I work with a bunch of, bunch of guys, you know, guys, guys, you know, mm-hmm. and country, you know, I'm, they're, they're a good group of guys. Don't get me wrong, but you know, some of the conversations sometimes it's like, whoa, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we, we get on some rants and stuff and, you know, I got to kind of watch myself or try to weasel my way out of it or you know go mm-hmm. go make me a cup of coffee or you know go piddle it around with something or you know and that's the thing is like i try and i've like i think i said this last week i had i had to catch myself because i ended up carrying myself that way and i was just like i was kind of convicted of it and i was like hey you know you don't need to carry yourself that way because you know i'm I'm on this podcast. I'm I'm living a life of of trying to seek out God and I'm I'm I know I'm faulty. You know, I know I'm going to fail sometimes. I'm going to sin, you know. There's there's no way to go around that. But watching who I am and watching what I do and what I say because you know, I I have I'm carrying God's image with me. You know, I'm trying to walk this this path. And if I don't watch what I do and watch what I say and carry myself in a manner that, that shines that light, then someone, it's not that someone may judge because I don't really care what they think. It's just more or less of, it might impact them saying, 
well, if he's going to carry himself that way and then do this, then it's, it's all a lie. Mm -hmm. It could mislead them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because it's not a lie, it's just, we're all sinners. We, We all do things and say things and, you know, we're all working to a purpose or an image that technically it, it it's it's not capable of having completely mm-hmm. you know i mean we're just striving to be that and better and better every day it's an ongoing process until the day we die and i've i've never i've never once looked at it as i'll ever be perfect but there's certain things that i have to do to try to make sure that i don't present a falsehood or um i am a a false image of what god is because i mean i never like i said i'd never be perfect but it worries me that i'll do that Mm -hmm. you know um i'll I'll mislead somebody or my actions will end up making them think that, well, that's, that's not who I want to be, you know? Yeah. I think too, to me, this, this not only speaks to, excuse me, of the actual words that we use, um, but also the subject of those words. Um, Like basically, you know, there's, no point in slandering somebody. There's no backbiting. There's, you know, put all that stuff aside because it doesn't build anybody up. Why are you having conversations about somebody or something that that's not building yourself or the body of Christ up? Um, case in point, it's funny that, that now that reflecting on this week, I, I can kind of see why I thought it was kind of weird, but now I can kind of see why I was, I have a really bad habit and this kind of goes towards my anger. And I thought this was a way of me dealing with it, but it, it really, it's not, it was kind of a placebo that if something happened to me, basically I would just say what happened out loud, but in like a really sarcastic tone, like, Oh, it's okay. Don't use your turn signal. Everybody knows you're turning or, Oh, no, that's okay. I, I didn't feel you just bumping into me with your cart. You know, it's, it's all good. And that was, you know, you know what I'm talking about? And mm-hmm. to me, that was like my therapy, like, eh, you're, you're forgiven. No big deal. But it got to be where a point where Holly, Holly called me out and she goes, why you, she, cause Abigail was with us in the car and somebody, somebody, uh, turned without a turn signal and it, made me mad and I don't know why I always go back to things that make me mad or traffic related. I guess that's just, <laughs> but that's where it always seems to go. Uh-huh. But uh, somebody turned and had I known they were turning, I would have been able to go not have to wait on them, you know, cause they were turning left into where I was and I could have turned left and, you know, but, uh, and I, and I said, as they were turning in, I was like, man, it's really bright turn signal you got there and she goes is that necessary like like do you does that i'm like i was like no but what's uh, like but my remember my retort to that was was what's it matter and she's like you're 
your daughter hears that stuff. Like, you know, and, and as she gets older, she starts repeating that stuff. And then, so then you start that cycle of like, I now look now reading over this and going back on it. I think it's, it's also, it's speaking to me that it, and I, and I don't know how, if it is there or not. Um, I'm just saying, this is what I got out of it was not only the words that we use, but also the, the subjects we choose to entertain mm-hmm. with our talk, with our speech. Let me read it again. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. The operative word there is edification. Edification is what builds somebody up. So that creates the contrast for what we shouldn't let exit our mouth, that which tears somebody down. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not so much talking about cuss words here, although that's not good. It's not a good witness, right? right? But what he's really talking about here is speech that tears someone down as opposed to building them up. Right. And that's that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know, um, I look at that as, as, you know, God, uh, Jesus's grace, you know, God's grace, you know, um, your words, your, um, just the way you carry yourself completely, you know, does it, does it show that the grace of God, does it show to other people that does, does his light shine through you? Right. You know, and, uh, that's, I don't know, you know, like I, I don't see myself as that, you know, and, it's hard to, this one kind of, I don't know. It took a little turn for me. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, now I'm thinking, now I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, do I, do I really shine that light? You know? But. I referenced Mark chapter 10 earlier, and I'm actually going to go back to that and, and finish out something that Yeshua, that Jesus says at the end there. And it's, it's Mark chapter 10 verses 42 through 45 and he says you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them but it is not this way among you but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave to all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many I think he's talking about the same concept that Paul's referencing here. Mm-hmm. It's lowering yourself with the objective of lifting others up rather than lording yourself over others and mm-hmm. tearing them down in the process with your words. Because right. that's what the goal, when your speech tears others down, the ultimate goal is the prideful desire to elevate yourself yourself above everyone else. And he's saying, don't be like that. You know, in, in Christian, in our faith, and the faith preached by Jesus and the faith that we have from him, leadership is the antithesis of what the world says leadership is. Leadership in the world is elevating yourself above others to, to, to drag those below you along. But leadership in our faith is lowering yourself below others to lift them up because your ultimate objective is to see them prosper, to see them make it into the kingdom, right? Even at the expense of your own comfort, like what we talked about in the, in the top half, 
being willing to drink that cup of suffering because your love for others and your desire to see them make it to the kingdom outweighs your desire to see yourself comfortable. Right. Right. And that, that has to even permeate out of our own speech. I fail at that. (laughs) What's that? I said, I fail at that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) We all do. Believe me. Some, a lot of times my failures just, or my, you know, my failure is failure to speak at all. Oh, just yeah. being silent, yeah, just can be just as harmful. Can be, yeah. And I think, and in all seriousness, this this conversation, this the the reason why we're saying this, the reason why we're talking about this is just to let everybody know that you know we may be on this podcast, we may be you know part of a ministry part of, you know christians that are even doing all these things and doing they still struggle they still have things that they battle they still have things that are broken you know and um you know it's a lifelong process yes you know and i don't want to perceive that you know we're just sitting here and talking negative about ourselves or, or being, you know, um, kind of a self image of that. We're just kind of like, well, we're screwing up. We're screwing up. We're not, we're learning. Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing what God wants us to do in the processes of being able to go to his word, see what his word says, seeing our, not being convicted, but being convicted, you know, seeing what our, our, our faults are and trying to change those, you know, that's the whole process of what God wants us to do. That's becoming more like Jesus Yeah, every single day. And this isn't, you know, I, I, myself, I talk negative about myself every once in a while. And I just kind of felt the need to say, Hey, this isn't what this podcast is about today because I kind of, we, uh, we kind of went on a little weird thing there for a second. I was just like, I just want to make sure everybody knows <laughs> this is not what it's about. It's about learning and, and I don't know. Keep going. No, I think that's a good thing. And, and the word you use process is, is a perfect word because it's, it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's a daily ongoing thing. And, you know, and what we're, what we're highlighting here is, is exactly what Paul's highlighting in Ephesians chapter four is, is this process. And part of the process is when you have, when you have negative behavioral traits that are sinful or that are hurting others. And when those traits are revealed to you by the spirit, you need to acknowledge that and work with him to remove it to let him help you remove it. And that's what we're talking about here. And just because you have that behavior doesn't mean you're a failure. No. It means that he's, he's, he's working with you. Yes. You're, you're, you're progressing in, in, in stages. It's stages along the way. You're not a failure. Failure the enemy wants you to feel up. like a failure. Yes. The enemy wants you to give up. Yeah. The enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to feel like you're a failure. You're too far gone yeah. and there's no hope. You have a living hope. Right, you have an eternal living hope, and you need to trust in that hope. He's promised it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. You can trust him to keep that promise. You just have to work with him in the process. Right, that's what Paul's talking about here, and that's what we're talking about also. I'm going to skip verse 30 for now. We're going to come back to that at the end. (laughs) So, verse 31. 
<laughs> just, just out of curiosity, why did you want to skip that one? Because I want to round back to it and okay. end with it. Why? Okay. We're not going to skip it for the whole podcast. No, no, no. I thing. just, because that was the only one that kind of really stumped me out of the whole paragraph. Uh-huh. Was that one? Stumped you, you said? Stumped me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what's the, what's, what's trying to be conveyed here? So that's the one that jumped out at me the most. So I mean, was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about it myself. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So he's summarizing all these sins that he's talked about Mm -hmm. above. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you for has forgiven you. So the antithesis of those, of those sins listed Mm -hmm. is a kind hearted, forgiving behavior. And you know, we talked about forgiveness earlier. Right. Forgiveness is so important. Mm-hmm. It is. If, if you want deliverance, you cannot hold on to a heart of unforgiveness. It will elude you. Yeah. And I mean, I've even went to the fact of like, a, um, I won't say who it is or anything, but I've even went to the, um, <clears throat> I wrote out like eight pages of, of things that I held against somebody in my life. And um, I mean, eight pages, <laughs> you know, and it, it was, that wasn't even all of it. It wasn't even, uh, of, that was just the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, I wrote it out and at the end of it, I spoke to God about it and I gave it to him. And then on that paper, I, uh, I prayed and I, I took those papers and I burned them underneath a tree and I left that those ashes underneath that tree and I said God this is not mine anymore this is yours and in all seriousness that seeing God take that that pain away from me was what changed me this time and uh, you know it 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 came down to that pain gone was was huge for my growth and uh i i really i i thanked him for that and that's that's how i somebody ended up telling me hey well why don't you just write it out and i'm like okay we'll write it out and then somebody else was just like well hey why don't you why don't you write it out and then burn it you know and and then I kind of went a little bit even further than that. And, you know, at the end of it, I gave it to God, you know, and then I prayed and then I burnt it and I left it underneath a tree and, you know, it was just like, this is where this ends. This is where this, this is gone for me now. And it worked. I don't know if it'll work for anybody else, but it worked for me and it was huge. That's very confirming to what was laid on my heart when I read that, because like I say, I, it, it sounds like you're, you're, you're connecting that act of forgiveness with his act of delivering you from what was binding you. Mm-hmm. And I, I see this repeated throughout scripture. You know, forgiveness is, is a very heavy topic scripturally. Yeah. You know, he point blank tells us if you want to receive the forgiveness from the father you desire, you have to be willing to forgive others. Mm-hmm. If you want his deliverance, you have to deliver others from your hate. You have to. It's, it's, it's not optional. It's 
it's commanded. Yeah. We have to be willing to forgive. And it's not because he hates us. It's because he loves us. And he knows like what we talked about earlier, it's a healing thing. Mm-hmm. It will callous and harden your heart. Unforgiveness will. Yeah. And the quickest path towards softening that and releasing the bonds of the enemy to release that foothold the devil has in your life is to forgive is to actively forgive and to make it clear to the father, I'm serious about this. You know, even pray that, you know, I'm having a hard time. I need you to help me forgive. I have mm-hmm. a desire to forgive. I am willing to forgive, but I need your help. I need you to help me forgive. He will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just have to be willing. It all starts with willingness. Yeah. Everything in our salvation starts with willingness on our part. It's where it's always got to start. On to look past ourselves and to him. All right, so backing up to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's funny because it's exactly what mine says. Is it? Word for word in all three translations. Because his is different, yours is different, mine's different, but that those, those words are still the exact same. Yep. It's one of the most important verses, I think, in that entire chapter. The first thing that strikes me is that the sealed can grieve him. So the sealed are saved. You know, they're sealed unto the day of redemption. They're saved. But even those who are saved can grieve him. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, Christians are what we consider Christians. You know, people that believe that Jesus died and Mm -hmm. rose again, that we still we still fail. Mm-hmm. We still fall. We still have to reach back up to him every single day. You know, grieving the Holy Spirit of God is is straying away, not doing what he tells us to do, not listening, not, you know, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit tells us where our wrongs are, what our, what our, what our, our um, things that we need to change. And if we don't listen, then he grieves. Yep. You know, we we stray away and think that we're doing the right thing, but it's still the opposite of what maybe we weren't listening. Maybe we didn't want to listen. And this actually speaks to me right now really hard because <laughs> there's a couple of things that I've been putting off. Mm-hmm. And... What's interesting, you you hit the nail on the head. What's interesting, he's not talking about little mistakes here. In the context here, this is resisting the process. We talked about that process. This is essentially telling the spirit, no, no. I'm going to hold on to my saying, I'm going to give the devil a foothold because I like what he's offering me. That's, you know, to me, those two verses contrast one another. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So to grieve the Holy Spirit is to give the devil a seat at your table. Right, to allow that sin, that rotten apple to enter your basket and to say, no, I'm going to keep this. I like it. I'm going to hold on to this. I don't want to get rid of it. That's essentially what grieving is. I think it's important to look at a couple operative terms here also. Sealed here in the Greek is phragizo. And it, it's like a, uh, a mark of ownership. In the ancient world, it would o- often be a tattoo placed upon, uh, placed on a, on, a, on a slave by a master that, that, I'm, I'm yours, right? You belong. It means to belong to, and it's unbreakable. This is talking about an unbreakable, 
irreversible bond placed upon you. You belong to God. And he says, you belong unto the day of redemption, right? But you can still resist the process and grieve him. Yeah. That's interesting to me. He's not talking to non-believers. No, he's talking to us. And see, you said sealed. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You said sealed. You, what'd you say you, you think of? What was it? A, a tattoo? Yeah, in the ancient world, it would See, be a I reference think, to a tattoo. I think of the 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 old ways of of writing a letter. I think of like wax sealed. Yep. Of a stamp. They can reference that too. You like know, a, I mean? like a signet ring to seal a document or to seal a a uh, a decree. They right. can reference that also. And I, for some reason, that's what comes into my mind. You know, uh, um, a way to seal. Or some kind of stamp or seal mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, that's how they used to put their signature. Yep. Kind of, you know what I mean? Their sign, but, you know, the tattoo of ownership or, you know, that's kind of the same thing, but I don't know. That's just what I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would apply to that same Greek word. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a reference to this person belongs to me. I'm sealing their redemption. Psych. Think I kind of read this complete, complete. At least the first part completely wrong. The second part that that you're sealed with him, that you're his. You know, to me that speaks that he will he will never leave you. Mm-hmm. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never not be there. But when you grieve for someone, to me, that is you experience like emotional or physical trauma because somebody is not there. Don't Mm -hmm. grieve for the Holy spirit as we sometimes do where I'm the Lord's not with me. I've done these things in anger. He's no longer with me. I've done all I've basically I've done everything on this list wrong and I'm grieving that he's not in my life anymore. And he's, they're saying, and then this is saying, you're sealed with him. He's not gone. He's not left you. He's not, he's not never there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way that I read it. Well, that's why I wanted to mention uh, the, the Greek sphagito there, because it's the, the permanency of the seal is important. You're permanently sealed, but the grieving is, is the spirit grieving. What is, what is in the context here is talking about the Holy Spirit grieving. Like us causing him grief, mm-hmm. okay. So rather than where, us grieving about okay. him, it's it's our actions and our our unwillingness to cooperate with him. It's like somebody saying it grieves me to know that somebody did this. He that's us. Grief is causing grief, mm-hmm. and in this sense, okay. So I, yeah, I read it completely wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> you mentioned the severity of the grief, though. Grieve there's lepeo in Greek. And it's an extremely intense word. It means severe sorrow causing pain. Like it's like the intensity of that word is such that in the Greek Septuagint translation of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter three, verse 16, lupeo is used to reference the pain of childbirth. Mm -hmm. That's what it's saying here that it causes our unwillingness to cooperate with him causes him emotional pain equitable with the pain of childbirth. So in this one verse, we have, we have hope that the seal he places upon us 
is permanent and unbreakable. But we also have a stark warning here that our unwillingness to cooperate causes him immense pain. There's a verse I want to read. It's from Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 9. And it says, Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations. So they were, they were sinning. They grieved him. They turned away from him. So they brought affliction on themselves. There was, there was a consequence to discipline them. You will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive, how I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me. The word hurt there in Hebrew is shalar, and it literally means to crush or to break in pieces. It says that our adulterous hearts, our disobedience, our turning away from him, our straying away, crushes him, breaks him to pieces. It's the same word used when Moses shattered the tablets when he came down from the mountain Shabar. It's the same word used there for breaking them into pieces. He said, we take his heart and we literally break his heart into pieces when we stray away. I don't highlight this to cause hopelessness, but there's a reason that Paul highlighted this with the terms that he did. Mm Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure that you didn't swirl in hopelessness. I think that's why he used that term sfragito there. Your hope is sealed with a permanent unbreakable bond, but your unwillingness to cooperate with him and what he's laying out here in Ephesians 4 and removing the rotten apples from your heart causes him pain. And the more you grieve him, the more severe the discipline will be to get you to turn back. You don't want to get to a place where he has to grieve you in return. I've been there. I've done that. I've been guilty of this verse. I would give anything to go back in time and change what I've done, but I can't. I, I'm just thankful that I have a Savior that put an unbreakable bond upon me and didn't toss me aside when I deserved to be tossed aside because I hurt him and crushed him by my behavior. We need to be willing to turn back. When he reveals things in our heart that that aren't good, for me, it's doubt. I mentioned in the top half, for me, it's doubt. And I know I'm grieving him with that. I know I am. I just, I don't know how to let it go. And I guess I didn't realize what a problem it was until yesterday. But yet, the strength of him is within you. So, there ain't nothing that can stop that. You know, that's the thing that we have to remember is God's within us. Through all things, we have his strength. We just have to call upon it. And it's doubt or, or anything, you know, I mean, it can be anything. All we have to do is call upon him and he's there hundred percent. Even if we don't feel it, he's still there. So, um, you know, this, this, this one's been kind of pretty deep (laughs) today and 
I, I've, I've enjoyed it because I, I, some people don't like getting deep or talk, you know, almost being, being vulnerable. You know, I, I had talked to you the other day about God being vulnerable and, you know, I asked you is, uh, is there circumstances where God's vulnerable with us? And, uh, your answer was yes. And I didn't know if that was, you know, I didn't know if that was going to be your answer because the way that I was looking at it was, you know, God shows us his heart. God shows us his love. God shows us all of the feelings that we always want, the, the, the feelings, the emotions, the, the heartfelt love that we always desire. And I think that's God being vulnerable with us. And I, I think if, if, if he loves, he's got to have vulnerability to that, to that degree. Right. You know what I mean? Not as a, of weakness. It's as of being, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it's like coddling a child, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and the joy that you have while you're holding that child and the love that you feel and the protection, like nothing will ever happen to you. I got you. You know, that's, that's the way God does us sometimes whenever, you know, we're down deep, we're, we're hurting, we're, you know, struggling or, you know, we're calling out to him. And that's, that's the way, that's what God does to us. And whenever he shows us that, I, I love it. I, I, I almost try to bask in that Yeah. <laughs> whenever it does happen, because like you want to live there forever. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't allow it to happen all the time. You know, like I will, I myself won't allow that to happen. And I don't know why, but you know, it's just sometimes like, you know, with you and having doubt and stuff like uh, that, that'll, that'll hinder you from being, you know, susceptible to that. Yeah. And, you know, me, I have plenty of things that are in my way to be susceptible to that. And, you know, there's, there's things that I am, I am making the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, I'm, I'm making them grieve right now because of things that I won't let go in my life. And, uh, you know, and I miss that, that vulnerability of God, you know, him showing me that, making me feel that, that coddle, you know, just Mm -hmm. that holding tight and, and, uh. You know, I know it's, it's my own sin. It's my own, um, it's my own crap. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's a hard, hard thing to, to realize that you're doing it to yourself. But, uh, you know, I know that it's, it's a process. It's going to work out. It's going to, it's going to go away eventually. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too. There's going to be a time to where he ends up hitting me over the head and saying, "Hey, it's it's time, mm-hmm. you know, time to to let this go, time to say, hey, that 
enough's enough. You've been fighting me long enough. And I know that time's coming here soon. And I'm trying to prepare myself for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. I was going to say, Sonny's final thought. Check. Done. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> no, no that's kidding. cheating. <laughs> I don't, I don't kind of, I don't really have one anymore because I've just realized that I read a verse completely wrong. And that's kind of what I was basing my final, my final thought on. Interpretation. Interpretation, yeah. That doesn't mean that your final thought isn't relevant to right. somebody. So, I, you know, so and the because <sighs> even though that's not what that verse means, right. that's where my doubt comes in. Is is me grieving that I believe he's left me? Right. That's where the enemy hits me. Mm -hmm. That's where the doubt leads is mm -hmm. believing that I'm forsaken, that I don't belong to him. I'm, 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 I'm being attacked because I'm not, I'm not his. Right. Right. That's where he wants it to lead. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the way you read that was lacked relevancy. Right. I should say. And living word interpretation, you can interpret it and feel the way at, at this point in time in life, that's how you interpreted it. Right. And that means something to you and that, I mean, you even based your whole final yeah, thought final on thought everything. On it, yeah. So it was, just because we interpreted it a certain way and you interpreted it a certain way, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. That's right. just where you're at in reading that scripture right now. It's how he hit you. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, to reiterate that, you know, once you make that seal with him, once you, you know, accept him as your savior, nothing is ever going to truly pull you away from him. Yeah. And, and that's where I, and that's where I, you know, I take homage with once saved, always saved, you know, in, in the sense that he's never, ever going to stop fighting for you. He's never, ever not going to be there. If that's the way you say that. I'm never not going to be there. <laughs> I want to make sure I say that right. He's, he's always going to be there yeah. for you. And um, so don't, don't let the, the bitterness or the sadness or the grief build up inside of you when you can't feel them. There's something that's, that's blocking your path and that needs to be moved because he's there. You just have to figure out what's, what's causing that blockage. That's pretty much it. Because I completely agree with you on that aspect. I agree with both of them. And that, I mean... I didn't think of it that way. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting. The words that's used there that can, that could be the, the one, the one word can be such a strong hinge on the trajectory of the verse mm -hmm. of it, of, of our great emotional and physical pain versus his great physical and emotional pain. Mm -hmm. 
the one leads to the other. You know, if our if our behavior and lack of cooperation grieves him, it will lead to us grieving in the same way. So what's really good about this deep dives. Mm-hmm. This one's been pretty deep. <laughs> and everything of today, I think the one that I I need to hold on to the most is um the last the last two verses. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Um, just it, it's more. I've been kind of hit with uh, just how I how I act, how I <clears throat> how I present myself in some situations, and um, you know, I um been kind of hit hard with that here lately how i deal with situations and how i um how i treat people and um i um some instances i treat people great some sometimes i don't and um you know i i get i get kind of emotional about it you know i i know whenever believe me Whenever I do wrong, God tells me. I I end up being convicted of it. And um that's that's one of the biggest things is is God always presents my wrongdoings and where where I need to work on. I don't I don't ever not know that. <laughs> and that's one of my my biggest things is that there's so many and there's so many to work on and I don't know where to start. Yeah. But, um, got to start somewhere, somewhere small, somewhere big. Um, just keep working on it. You know, it's a process. That's where I'm at. Well, mine comes back to that question. What is the difference between positional sanctification and functional sanctification? And really, that's what Ephesians 4 is laying out throughout the chapter. We start off with how that looks as a body, as a collective group, and then it takes a shift and gets real personal on an individual level. On an individual level. You are sealed. Sfragizo, you are sealed. That is your positional sanctification. When you made that decision, and he makes that decision to redeem you, you are made holy in his sight. Functional is the walk following after that. At one point in this, in this study, I can't remember if it was part one or two, we talked about what walk means. It means your behavioral pattern, right? How you walk out your salvation. And that's what he's describing here, right? To grieve the Holy Spirit is to, to fail to cooperate with him. We need to be cooperating with the process of being made functionally sanctified. It means functioning together with him. Mm-hmm. And when we stray away from him, when we take that rotten apple and give the devil a foothold, that's grieving him. And it's causing him pain, and ultimately it's causing us pain. We, we hurt each other when we do that. But he's always right there with his hand stretched out. He's always right there asking you, come back. Come back. This is the path. 
this is the right way to go. Walk in it. That's where that conviction comes in, right? The devil wants you to feel condemned to the point that you give up. The spirit, like a good father, the, the, the father, our eternal father, is convicting us to discipline us because he knows what our greater good is. And this process outlines the greater good for us. And all he's asking us to do is cooperate. He'll reveal those things in your heart as you take each step along the path. You just have to cooperate as you go. And like you said, Sonny, burn it. Lay it out. Give it to him. Set it on fire. And let it go. Let it go. Like that's all I have. Chris has to read the outro. Don't call me out, man. <laughs> I was hoping you just edit the space time out <laughs> so it'd nope. be like a smooth transition. No, he's opening it up on his app so he can read it out loud. They can tell you're reading. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually take this and kind of put my own spin on it, but for now, to all of you out in podcast land, we want to thank you for so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing. For any questions, comments, or feedback, you can find us on Facebook or email us. Email email us at brokenrecordministries.com. Again, at gmail.com. At gmail. What do I, what do I keep You just saying? said dot com. Dot, gmail. Yeah, yeah. I've got your back, man. Could, be, could make it a dot com, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this has been a publication of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side.